ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Member FDIC. Welcome into the Friday edition. The Drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM. And AM 930, I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program anytime by calling the Miller Lite phone line. How do you do that? Well, it's real simple. It's 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite holds true great taste. Only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Our text line is open at 304 304- 399-8255. You can send your text questions in to me there. Today on the program, we're going to hear from Marshall Swimming and Diving Head Coach Ian Walsh. Sign 12. That's a pretty big haul. 12 added to the swim and diving team. So we're going to talk to him here in a few minutes. Also, we've got a lot to get into today. I, I feel good about what we've got to talk about today because not only do we have plans to get things going as far as sports are concerned. We've got plans to get things going as far as sports is concerned. And I think the one thing that really excites me is the fact that if college football doesn't happen on a normal schedule, the NFL, they think they can go in and play on Saturday. So we're going to talk about that. Wouldn't you like to see some NFL on Saturday? If, if there's no college football, that's a big if. No college football, well... I think we can play some games on Saturday on the National Football League side of things. So I think that will be really exciting. Uh, let's get you caught up on the news of the day. Uh, we've got some sad news to pass along to you. Former South Charleston High School and Marshall University football player Blake Brooks passing away. He died at the age of 29. If you remember, he was, of course, part of those state championship teams for the Black Eagles back in 2008-2009. Senior season won the Hunt Award as the state's top interior lineman. Played for the Thundering Herd. Now, Colliday releasing a statement today on Twitter. He said, quote, I am so sad to learn of the passing of former Herd football player Blake Brooks. He was a great player with a bright smile and an infectious personality. You couldn't have a bad day around him. We'll miss you, 52. So, as Don Holliday passing the news along earlier on Twitter. So sad day today for the Herd football family as uh, Blake Brooks passing away at the age of 29. All right, we'll come back on the program here in a few minutes, and uh, we're going to talk swimming and diving with the head coach, Ian Walsh. We'll get you caught up on what he's doing, what the pandemic has been like for him as far as recruiting. I mean, you pull in 12. You bring 12 student-athletes to Marshall. You had to be working it, and I'm sure some of those were already in place and others were finalized. Whatever the case may be, we're going to talk about that when we continue on today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I want to welcome to the program now. He is the swimming and diving coach at Marshall University. Ian Walsh with us on the program. And, Coach, thanks for coming on the program today. Good talking to you. It's uh, 
It's been kind of crazy around here as far as sports is concerned, but you've been pretty busy. You announced on Wednesday you signed 12. You're going to have a uh, pretty full roster when we get back to uh, full sports at Marshall. Yes, Paul, thanks for uh, having me on. You know, we're really excited about the group we have coming in. Um, you know, put our roster about 27 uh, members total, which, you know, we're thrilled about not only just having, you know, that many young women excited to compete for Marshall, but also, uh, you know, being able to raise level of competition where uh, we're thrilled to have just a, a really nice group of, of women on our roster. What have been the challenges for you? Because with recruiting being more virtual now, more of get on the phone or do Zoom conferencing or, or however you need to do it without actually being face-to-face with someone. Has that been a challenge for you, or did you have a lot of this work already in place before social restrictions began? Um, you know, we we approach it pretty much the, the same way um, that we have even, you know, through this, um, you know, unfortunate circumstances here now. Um, you know, our approach has always just been, you know, honest, authentic. We're not here to sell anything. It's just simply sharing who we are, what we're about. And I think, you know, describing, you know, what we do here at Marshall and, you know, the great place and great department and great university we have, you know, I think that's naturally going to attract um, a lot of, you know, young women to want to be a part of, of our program. And I think more importantly, the, the department and, uh, and the university. So, yeah, for us, it's during this time, you know, we were able to sign a, a couple more um, individuals through, you know, this kind of window. Um, but ultimately, you know, it hasn't really changed our, our approach to it. It's just been, um, you know, much more about sharing who we are and just, you know, showing the excitement that's revolving around our, our program. I'm sure one thing that's going to be reassuring for you is with programs across the country announcing that there are either reducing salary, they're cutting back on their budget, or some schools have even started to eliminate programs. It feels that Mike Hamrick's not going in that direction. He's pretty much said so uh, recently that they're not looking at cutting programs. And you announcing that you've added 12 to your squad, I mean, that's just proof right there that Marshall's moving forward, not even looking at cutting programs as you try to figure out what the fiscal realities will be these next few months. Sorry, you had um, broken it in and out of there. It might have been my connection. Um, That's okay. But, you know, the, the first. Yeah, I'll, uh, basically, it's got to feel good that you have an athletic director like Mike Hamrick who has really focused on not cutting programs the way other schools and institutions seem to have responded with the current pandemic. It feels like he's looking at other ways to maybe either tighten the budget or to make sure that the athletic department stay, stays really solvent. Yes, no, absolutely. You know, I it's, um, it starts with the the top and works its way down. And we have you know tremendous leadership through Mike, through our um, for university president that you know really supports and sees the value in athletics. And um, yeah, for us, it's I think we're all doing our part, all all sports here at Marshall to you know comb through our budget and you know make sure we're looking at you know what we need as opposed to maybe what we want. And I, I think through that, we're going to be able to come out, um, you know, in a, in a lot better position um, as long as we're, we're working together. And I think, you know, touching base with a lot of coaches in our department, 
um, you know, hearing from Mike and our senior administration, we're just, um, I'm just so grateful to have, you know, that kind of leadership and just feel really supported, um, especially during this time where, you know, we're communicating to our student athletes and, you know, keeping them, them in the loop with everything. So I think across the board, you know, myself and my staff, um, we're just super grateful to have that kind of leadership. And, um, you know, even through all of this, I think we're going to be able to come out of this, um, you know, in, in, in pretty good shape. Marshall Swimming and Diving Head Coach Ian Walsh joining us on the program. I'm kind of curious, with the talk of schedule and geography, do you feel that you're going to have to rework your schedule now or in the future to maybe try to stay more geographically friendly, or you feel that you're pretty good where it is right now with the schedule? I mean, you're not going across the country like the football team or the basketball team does going to Texas. Uh, you're not – really traveling as much across the globe as those other teams are. Right. Now we are, we're really fortunate that, you know, our travel is, um, is pretty regional to begin with. Um, and we have a lot of great competition, you know, within a four to five hour radius. So, um, for the most part, our, our schedule won't change uh, too much. You know, we move up, uh, we've been going up against teams in like Western Pennsylvania. Um, Ohio is, uh, we have a lot of great, you know, programs we can go up against there. So our regional competition, um, not too much will, will change there as far as travel and um, having to, you know, cut, cut back too much on maybe what teams we schedule or, or what, what events we try to look into as we move through the next few years. It seems in a sense, maybe your sport, more so than others, at least at Marshall, you're already well-adjusted to whatever the reality is going to be here the next few months and a couple of years as far as scheduling concern and just trying to put together something that makes sense. I, mean, I know you would, if you could, you, you would co-compete in Texas tomorrow if that was viable for you, but you know, it's... It's really fortunate to have those opportunities close to home at the same time. I mean, you've got a great facility as well. So it's not as if you know, you're not going to be a destination for teams also trying to stay at least close to home in a regional capacity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, for for us and just kind of looking at our, our schedule and having to plan ahead, I know for us and just speaking with our staff and, you know, trying to be creative and ways to help and, and, uh, you know, cut costs in any way. I think we're already in a pretty good position, especially with our, our regional competitions, but, you know, ultimately, um, you know, it's, this is all for the, the betterment of our university and our athletic department. So anything we can do to help, whether that's, you know, limiting our meets, limiting our travel, um, we're still going to have, you know, great teams to go up against. I know our schedule this coming year, we're going up against, you know, two to three conference champions within their respective um, conferences and, you know, the MAC, the Atlantic 10, um, uh, it's just we're we're pretty well set up. We still have you know an SEC team on our schedule with Vanderbilt, so we're going up against some great competition. Um, but we're also you know being mindful of uh, the times we're living in right now. How are you personally handling the pause uh, and trying to keep up with your your team, your student athletes? Has it been a challenge to to work this way with? little to no contact and trying to maybe conference call in with them or check in with them, you know, however often you can, you know, what are the challenges for you? You know, everyone's going through a lot and, you know, our student athletes, that's, 
for for my staff is you know paramount to make sure they feel supported because they went from you know wrapping up our season all of a sudden our postseason competition was unfortunately cut short with everything that transpired and then within i felt like a week or two they were sent home um so we've been doing zoom calls every week with uh with each class we've even, even been touching base with our incoming class uh, making sure our seniors are feeling supported through, you know, these correspondence weekly. Uh, so we've been doing our best to make sure, you know, our student athletes aren't forgotten and we just send them home. Um, you know, they're, they're doing a great job, you know, staying active, knowing that they still have responsibilities as, you know, a student athlete to keep themselves in the best position, but ultimately, you know, we're fortunate that everyone's safe, everyone's healthy. Um, and, you know, our staff has just been trying to make sure that, through, I believe this is uh, the last day of finals for them. So, you know, the academic piece, they'll be able to kind of breathe a sigh of relief, but um, everyone's in a great place. And, you know, for me personally, it's been um, really nice to just almost not hit the reset button, but, you know, kind of take a step back. And, uh, you know, you, I think through things like this, you're going to find out what's really important. And it's always been family for me and, you know, being able to be at home with my wife and we have a, a almost two-year-old at home. So uh, it's been really nice for me to, you know, still be able to get stuff done that I need to, but, you know, in, in the comfort of, of our home, which, you know, as a college coach, sometimes you're not as home as often as, as you'd like to. Marshall Swimming and Diving Head Coach Ian Walsh joining us on the program. And that's a great point because with this pause, it's sort of been a new dynamic. Uh, some people are handling it better than others staying at home. You've got a support team at your house, so you probably are handling it better than a lot of people who maybe don't. Uh, so do you find that's important for you to to constantly stay with your student-athletes, trying to make sure that – you know, if you're reaching out to them, they know they've got you out there, you know, as a as a support mechanism, because each athlete you have, you're you're responsible for them when you're you got them on campus. And that doesn't end when they don't. Yeah. You know, when they're not on campus, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. With, you know, academics has always been, you know, one of our strongest suits here, not only within our athletic departments, but, but specifically within our swimming and diving program. So you know, getting them connected with the student athlete academic advisor and the transition from, you know, in-person, in-class learning to online. That was something that, you know, a lot of our girls um, in the beginning had struggled with, but kind of once they got a foothold on what that was going to look like, um, you know, there was a little bit more sigh of relief and um, hearing through our girls, you know, last week approaching finals, they felt like they're in a really good spot. And at the end of the day, you know, I have always voiced to them, we're only a phone call away. And, uh, you know, I've had some really nice conversations, only with our prospect, um, our incoming freshmen, um, not only our returners, um, but just, you know, supporters of the program. Um, so it's it's been as seamless as a transition to online learning as it could be for our women. Um, but, you know, I'm a firm believer that through all of this, I think we're going to have a much greater appreciation for, you know, the little things, I, I believe, um, and looking at kind of what we do have as opposed to what we don't have. Have there been any challenges you've had to maybe take care of or at least address? Not everyone has the same access to material supplies. In this case, you are swimming and diving team, so you need a swimming pool to really try to stay up on keeping yourself in shape, keeping yourself in a position to be competitive. You know, Have you encountered any challenges in that regard because I'm sure not everyone has an opportunity to go down to the swimming pool or, or have a facility they can they can go to 
sure. You know, our sport is very different. Um, you know, um, if you're in track or basketball or soccer or any of those land sports, you know, running and physical fitness, that's going to, you know, be able to kind of compare pretty closely to, to what your sport kind of entails us. You know, the majority of our time, 99% of our time is, is in water. Um, so it's, you know, you're never going to be able to mimic that, but I think just through physical fitness and staying active and just being engaged, um, not only, I think this is opportunity to, you know, try to be creative and keeping up with your physical fitness, but learning more about kind of like what fuels you and, um, you know, doing a little bit more self-reflection and trying to grow, uh, not only athletically, but I think personally, emotionally, um, you know, that's the space that we're, we're trying to work on. And, you know, I'm fortunate to have, um, a great support system, um, and a lot of colleagues that, you know, being able to, connect our student athletes with some, um, some pretty amazing people and help them, you know, work through. Um, Cause I think a small part of it is yeah, staying active and being engaged, but I think walking away with this whole situation, having, you know, a deeper sense of, okay, what's my motivation? What's my fuel? What's my fire? I think that's going to be really important um, when we all come out of this. So yeah, our team's doing a great job of, you know, staying active, but unfortunately we can't mimic, you know, hopping in the pool or hopping on the diving boards and, and getting a, a true workout in that makes sense how do you direct them though what are you is there a specific set of exercises or things to work on to get you close to what they need to be able to mimic or is it just stay fit um no it's a, the broader sense is you know stay fit but we have you know an amazing strength and conditioning coach and um he's been able to put together an excel sheet and um, you know, kind of what he would do normal programming for us in the weight room. He's been able to uh, put some things together. And if, if, the, if our student athletes, you know, would have access to that, you know, they can move through that. Um, we have dry land programming that the coaching staff does. So, you know, we have a lot of different avenues to provide them with, you know, workouts and things like that. So, you know, stay engaged and be able to, you know, come in to the fall. If, if this continues and they don't have access to a pool, um, their, their physical fitness is going to be great. It's more so just kind of getting back into the swing of things as far as stroke technique and feel for the water and, and, uh, different areas in, in that regard. But as far as physical fitness is coming back stronger, um, and, and more fit than, than you left in the spring. That's the, the ultimate goal. Ian Walsh is our guest, Marshall swimming and diving head coach. And I'm kind of curious, I'm not a scientist. I'm not yeah, expecting you to be a scientist as well, but what are some, when we get back, whenever that is, what are the health concerns, especially with swimming? You're, you're in water with other student athletes. What are some of the health concerns, if any, uh, to getting back to being able to compete in the pool? You know, that's an answer that, unfortunately, um, you know, I, I won't have until we kind of get a closer look at when we do come back in the fall. Um, but, you know, the nice thing is the body of water, it's filled with chlorine. So there's going to be, um, you know, chemicals in the pool that are going to kill um, a lot of, you know, um, you know, bacteria. Once again, I'm not truly a scientist, but I know the CDC early on had said, you know, chlorinated water. Um, that's an area where there shouldn't be too much concern. It's more so the, the, the social distancing um, aspect as far as, you know, training in the pool and what that looks like. But um, there's a lot of different ways to be creative. And when, when we get back in the pool, we're going to do, you know, everything we can to make sure we keep our student athletes, you know, number one, safe and healthy, um, but also be able to, you know, train at the level that, that we, we need to ultimately. Ian Walsh, our guest, Marshall Swimming and Diving Head Coach. I guess really um, the one thing that's uh, probably hurting the most for 
all of us right now is the absence of sports, and especially for you, I'm sure, is the Olympics being postponed. And that's got to be a, a real – do you get a pop, I guess? Because I'm, what I'm asking is when it's Olympic season time and we start looking once again at sports that are in the pool and these sports that maybe we don't pay enough attention to – you really get a pop from that once it's been on TV on NBC for weeks on end. You know, I, I think it grows our sport, you know, tr- tremendously. Unfortunately, it's I feel like only once every four years we get that exposure. But you know what it was fifteen twenty years ago. It's so much different now. Now there's you know a uh, professional swim league, the ISL. That's now um, taking shape. This was its first um, year of really commencement. Um, so that was really exciting for our sport. But, you know, we have um, a couple of student athletes that were shooting for Olympic trial cuts. Um, and, you know, this spring was going to be a time where they were going to have an opportunity to to try and make those standards. But obviously, with everything that transpired, that was put on hold. So, you know, the plan is still we have a, a young lady that's going to be, you know, she uh, exhausted her eligibility, but she's going to be um, looking to hopefully still, you know, try to achieve that standard, um, you know, through training on her own. Um, we have a couple current student athletes that want to be able to, you know, achieve Olympic trial standard because ultimately that's that's the pinnacle of our sport. Um, and that's going to be in, in June of 2021. So we have a couple of young ladies on our team that still have their sights on, you know, making Olympic trials and be able to, you know, swim at a level and going up against the, you know, Katie Ledecky's of, um, of our country and, you know, the pinnacle of, of our sport. So we're really excited to, you know, partner with them and, and help them in their journey and hopefully, hopefully, you know, sending a couple of kids to Omaha um, to be able to compete. Well, Coach, I promise you we won't pay attention to you just once every four years. So we'll keep in touch with you. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so much, Paul. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is Ian Walsh. He's the head coach of the Marshall Swimming and Diving Team. And, yeah, we're not going to pay attention to him just once every four years. Uh, I was really uh, I was really fascinated about that especially. So uh, good stuff with Coach today. Appreciate him coming on. We will continue on with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. As we progress through these months, not sure if we're going to have full return of sports just yet or what shape it's going to take. There's a possibility that if the NFL, if they're playing, they could maybe fill the void for college football in the short term. It seems that if the college football season gets postponed or canceled this year, there is that possibility that the NFL to take advantage of those openings in those media windows. Now, you rarely see Saturday NFL games. It happens here now and then. There is that possibility. It's not new. But in a story from the New York Post, the league had has basically talked about it, and this is preliminary, but there are discussions about potentially playing Saturday games throughout the season. So the 2020 NFL season the schedule would be created in such a way that it would give the league the option to move a game or possibly games to Saturday if the NFL decides that makes more sense. Now, this would allow the NFL to take advantage of the open TV window that's going to be created if college football gets basically called off. We don't know yet. So this is early. This is speculative at best, but there is a plan. 
So if you're looking for sports on Saturday and sports on Sunday, the NFL, if they're playing, and I think the NFL can pull this off better than college football, if the NFL gets back to market, they're definitely going to have a full window to play with because of the gap. And Because we don't know. There's not one single organization entity that is overseeing college football as far as the conferences are concerned because this is going to be a state-by-state basis. And it comes down to this. Travel restrictions. Will there be students on campus? Health guidelines? All of this. And so the NFL, they know... They can go. They can go without fans in the stands. And think about it. If there's no fans in the stands, you can flex these games a little bit more because really the travel you're dealing with for the most part will be the football teams and support staff, media potentially. Okay, so media has got to check in a day earlier. Other than that, and really that's – I'm curious how that's going to work because will there be a situation where this is going to be remote broadcasting? That happens already for a lot of events. You notice it, and maybe you don't notice it. it. just depends on how well the game broadcast is being produced. I still think you have to have announcers on premises, but for health concerns, that's probably going to be looked at as well as, okay, we can't fly announcers in. We can't fly them to these destinations. Or if you do have announcers, you're going to have to maybe have someone local, not necessarily have someone follow the team. Radio would probably be different, though, because I'm sure – if the teams traveling, the radio teams for the NFL teams are going to be with them. But how is that going to play out? That's kind of what's going on right here as far as just trying to figure out what this looks like, how to make this work. But the NFL, I believe that they can make this happen. But there's that possibility. We could have college football in some shape, form, or fashion. But, again, I don't know what that looks like because it comes down to The pros can do it without fans. NFL can play without fans because television money will be better than the TV money for the most part for a majority of the college football teams across the country. That's the challenge. TV money is going to help the NFL. TV money, maybe not so much for some of these conferences, and there's also the whole, are schools open? Will students be on campus? And of course, WVU is announcing that, yeah, they plan on being back in the fall. I mean, a lot of people plan on being back in the fall and hope to be back on the fall, but we just don't know the reality right now of what it is. So the good news, at least for us, for our psyche, and let's be honest, we don't need football. Yeah, I said it. We don't need football. We want football. We want, fo- we want it back. We want football. We don't need it. We want it. It's not a necessity. It would be great for our, our well-being. I think so. I mean, really. Look at it in those terms. This is something that you don't need. You don't need to be at that game. You don't have to have football. It's not life or death. But it would be really good to have it back in some form. And it would be good for health and well-being and your psyche, I'm sure. And it would give you a distraction, 
give you something to focus on for a few hours, depending on your situation. Some people are dealing with this differently than others. There are some people who are not sports fans, so this wouldn't be any reprieve for them whatsoever. But this is something we want. So if we we want this and we can make this happen, then all means, let's do it if it's safe. And if we can't right now, the NFL is going to step in and say, okay, we've got the resources. We can pull this off right now. We'll fill the gap for you here in a little bit. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll just jump in. We'll play some Saturday games. And you know what? I'd be okay with that. I would be totally okay with having sort of a spread out NFL season. You could have some games on Saturday. You could have some games on Sunday. And, of course, you've still probably had your traditional Monday night game. And you're still going to probably have your traditional Thursday night game. So we could have NFL on Monday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, four days a week. The NFL would be a blessing for a lot of people. And think of this. If you get back to the NBA in some form or fashion, for a little bit at least, and the NHL for a little bit. I mean, now, the NFL is going to take us through the fall and winter if they can pull this off. They're going to be the ones that are going to plant their flag and tell everybody, jump on board the ship, let's go. But if we can get some rhythm going here, how how fun is that going to be? Just because of the fact that if they can do this, if this is safe and smart, I don't care to watch an NBA and an NHL game and an NFL game all in the same 24-hour period. I don't know if we're going to clump it that much. But the NHL is talking about starting the season in December. they got to figure out the playoffs, though. I mean, NBA, they're trying to figure out a way to get this thing going. And I was reading somewhere that they're really looking at how do we limit how many people are on the premises, trying to figure out how to make this happen and expose as little people as possible. And one plan, of course, is limit the technical crew on scene. That means camera operators won't be on scene as much. There'll be robocams. Now, you still have to have operators for those, but there'll be robocams. You could do that possibly in hockey as well. You could have robotic cameras uh, and key spots, and you can change your angles a little bit to really camera up the, the play. You've got options here. It really is. I mean, technology is going to find a way to get some of this done, to be honest with you. It's going to be fascinating to see how they pull this off as long as they can make it happen. And the NHL, some of the teams are looking like, okay, you know, well, they're more the players than anything because sort of the plan was, hey, we're going to play in a couple of centralized hubs here, two, three, four hubs. We're going to have hubs. You're going to have to quarantine for a few weeks in these hub regions to get this done. And there's the thought that baseball can maybe pull this off and play in their stadiums. In geography is going to play a factor of that. NHL, you're kind of stuck with, okay, we got the playoff push, or we can just have one gigantic playoff. Expand what the playoffs look like. And if that's the case, maybe you you pod this up a little bit. I know that's a, that's a dirty word here, pod. But you could have some sort of pod. I don't know how you do the standings, but maybe you do standings and many standings, and you'd have 
geography. Maybe we're seeding this thing like we do the NCAA tournament. Let's seed this thing. Just go ahead. Let's rank it, seed it, just do it that way. Do it by geography. And make sure that nobody crosses um, crosses the midway point of the country until the Stanley Cup final of all possible. Of course, those central teams are going to play uh, play a factor into this. But there are so many plans. We're, we're just getting started with all of this. And honestly, I don't have a clue what's going to happen next because I don't think anyone else has a clue what's going to happen next. And the NCAA has even released some guidelines, but... I've looked at all those guidelines. I've looked at what their steps are, and it really comes down to this, and and I think this is the big one. Will there be students on campus? If there's students on campus, then you can have everything else sort of fall into place. They'll still have to deal with restrictions. You're still going to have to deal with everything else that comes with it, but will there be students on campus? Because if the answer is no students on campus at this time, no footballs being played at the college level. That's it. That's the only thing I need to know. Students? Yes. Okay. Then all these little things on your checklist can begin. Students on campus? No. These things can't happen. That's what it's going to come down to. NFL? They don't have to worry about students. They don't have to worry about fans. Trust me. Just look at the Washington Redskins. Just look at them. Again, that was my idea originally. Let the Washington Redskins host the NFL because, well, they're used to playing a football game without fans. More on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. Buckle up. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Friday, May 1st edition. The drive continues on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Paul Swan, your host for this Friday edition. Thanks for tuning in. We've been talking a lot about the economic reality of sports and the disappearance of it. What's that really going to cost? Well, it's going to erase at least $12 billion in revenue and hundreds of thousands of jobs, which, guess what? If college football and the NFL schedules are wiped out, that's going to double. That is according to an analysis conducted for ESPN. The meltdown is considered a fraction, of course, of the crisis spreading across the country, but it is still historic in nature. Sports right now, pretty much a $100 billion industry in the United States. $100 billion. And here is just a highlight of this. You're looking at stadium authorities, youth sports complexes, rec centers, global TV networks, even ESPN. They're definitely impacted. And this is just the beginning. And so what does this mean for the future if sports are gone? If you have a league like the Canadian Football League, It's going to crush them. If you have the National Football League, the NFL will persevere. The NFL's not going anyway. They're not going away. The NFL will persevere. Major League Baseball will persevere. 
The National Hockey League, it will be tough a little bit for them, but they will persevere. The NBA, they will persevere. I think the four big pro sports will carry on. NASCAR, I'm sure they can weather the storm. It's not going to be pretty. And you're even seeing now the pushback on sports networks like ESPN and what they charge for a monthly fee. If you look at your, your satellite, your cable bill, if you could a la carte that thing, you would understand how devastating your cable bill really is when you add the sports channels in. Now, some of us gladly pay for it. Some of us gladly don't. If you're listening to this program, you're pretty much paying for it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and guess that right now. For the most part, if you're listening to this program, you're paying for ESPN. You might even be paying for ESPN+. Plus. I dropped it for just the time being because I transfer that money over to a couple other entertainment services. As soon as there's sports play-by-play back, I'm picking it back up. So, yeah, I'm picking it back up. But there are some who are saying, look, you're charging us, and you don't have what we want. You don't have sports on your sports channel. So you're charging these crazy exorbitant fees. Dish Network is pushing. You've got attorneys now. I think there's going to be uh, some lawsuits filed, or at least that seems to be the case, I believe, in New York, or at least in the New York metro area. It's coming down to why are we as consumers paying for sporting channels that don't have sports? Well, I've got two options for you. One, you can trim that from your package, if possible. You can do that. that. That's a personal choice there. Because I don't think not at least right now. I don't think you're going to see ESPN go, oh, sure, we're going to hand that money right back to you. Here it is. They're going to hand it right back. You know why? Because, no, it costs money to put these sports networks on, and I get it, and I understand where the divide is right now. And honestly, there hasn't been much on ESPN worth watching. I will say this, though. The Last Dance is definitely must-see for me. It is been fun. It really has. It's been better than I thought it would be. It's Jordan-centric because, well, you don't get this thing made without Jordan being involved. So Jerry Krause is the greatest enemy of Michael Jordan of all time. Broke up the Bulls, you know, whatever narrative you want to form there. But this is stuff that's been fascinating. Absolutely interesting and fascinating. And so I'm watching ESPN. Not every day, but I'm looking at ESPN. I'm not necessarily really enjoying some of the filler program they've put together, but I'm watching ESPN. Now, a lot of people might be thinking, hey, cut us a break. You don't have anything on ESPN we want to watch right now. Why do I have to pay for this? And that's where the divide's going to be. But ESPN's going to take a hit. College teams are going to take a hit. Or college athletic departments, let's just call it that. NFL, taking a hit. NBA, everybody taking a hit right now financially. We're all taking a hit financially. I just don't know if you can challenge ESPN and the other sports providers and say, hey, give us the money back. And part of this is Dish Network, they don't want to pay what they have to pay ESPN. And Dish is that network. You know if you have Dish Network, they're going to be the network to push back a little bit more so. DirecTV, AT&T, I don't know if you're going to get that kind of pushback. Honestly, I'd like to save a few dollars off my bill. I really would, and I'm sure you would as well. But here's the thing, though. When we get sports back, 
I'm probably going to be watching ESPN a lot. Why? And NBC Sports Network and Fox, I'm going to be watching that all because why? Uh, NBA and the playoffs. If we get it back, NHL and the playoffs, we're going to get that back. Got to definitely be watching all of that. Baseball, can you imagine? We might have a condensed schedule, but we might have more games on. There might be a, a broader slate of games to cover all of those missed days in our mind. We might have that. We might have, I might, you know, you know what? I want baseball for brunch. I want brunch baseball. Give me the baseball brunch. That's what I want. Could have, I could have, I could wake up, there's baseball. Lunch, hey, there's baseball. Dinner, yeah, I got baseball as well. I would love to see us have baseball all day long. Morning, noon, and night, wake up to it. Hey, there's baseball coming up here. Get your breakfast and have some baseball. I'm all for it. And that might be the case. And, of course, NASCAR's coming back in some shape or form for the foreseeable future without fans and going to be some primetime racing. Lots of exposure there. How many of you are going to become uh, NASCAR fans because it's going to be, well, live competition? How many of you will, for the first time, say, I'm going to watch a race? That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. Once a day, we we come back and, and do this. And I appreciate you sticking around and doing this with us here again. What do you do when you don't have sports? Well, this is what we're doing, and we're trying our very best. Thanks for tuning in. Back on Monday, we're going to do it all over again. Hopefully, uh, we will have some fun and interesting things to talk to you about. And whatever the case may be, thanks for tuning in. I'm Paul Swan. This has been The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.